0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassat and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everybody. In case you didn't know by now, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists and we have a lot of really interesting and fun stuff to talk to you about um, this week or talk about to you this week. (laughs) Wouldn't you say, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what you're saying right now, but I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. So, um... Ben, why don't you start us off? I think you've you've driven um you're driving probably the more interesting vehicle of the two of us this week.
1: Well, I don't know if it's the more interesting, but it, it's definitely I think the more attention-getting. Um, I've been driving the 2018 Jaguar F-Type 400. Mm-hmm. That is which, interesting. Jaguars are always gorgeous, and people go
0: gaga for them, except for they don't seem to want to buy
1: them unless they're F-bases. <laughs> well, I, I I should clarify it's it's actually the F uh, F-Type 400 Sport. I always forget Sport. And at its core, it's kind of, it's kind of like they took the S from last year, but there's no more S. You can't buy an F-type S. It's called the R dynamic now, and they upped the horsepower a little bit. So instead of – usually for the, the V6 version, so the F-type, you get 340 horsepower or 380 horsepower, and both of those uh, outputs are from a supercharged V6. Mm-hmm. But this one has 400 horsepower because it's super easy to get more horsepower out of a supercharged motor, you know, change the pulley, add a little bit of extra fuel, whatever you need to do. Uh, it's, it's a forced induction engine, right? Yep. But that's not, the o- that's not the only difference. Um, the car has a – slightly revised the front end of the car. The Fascia is a bit more aggressive. You can only get it in three colors. There's silver, white, or black, of course, right? Like, these are the, the least friendly Hold colors. Up. What? Yeah. Okay, So, no, I, I, Ben,
0: we've got to pause for a second.
1: The F-Type is considered to be,
0: by many, a very pretty car. Very pretty car. Why yes. can't we get it with
1: colors? And well, you can. A bunch I mean... of colors. No, I would like to point out that other versions of the F-Type do come in other colors. Okay. You can get a lot... You can get... There's an orange. There's a red. I believe there's a dark blue. Uh, there might even be a green. I'm not sure in the North American Just market. Just not
0: in this specific package, this
1: uh, Just 400 the, the 400. Sport. Exactly, the 400 Sport. But there is some extra color, uh, regardless of which color you get. You get these badges on the front splitter in yellow. So it says 400 Sport. There's a badge on the back. There's a, a yellow stitching inside. There's a stitching on the seats that says 400. And it also has these bright yellow carbon ceramic brakes, so I'm driving the one I'm driving is black and the yellow really really stands out. Like it's it's almost hornet like, you could say. Uh it's not displeasing but it's it's definitely not subtle. It's like an inverse bumblebee. <laughs> I guess. I mean, there's not a lot of yellow, okay. but you notice it because of the black. I think on a white car, it would probably blend a lot better. Okay. Uh, and it, you have to get the automatic, the 8-speed automatic, which is actually my favorite transmission with the F-type. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I prefer it to the 6-speed manual. And the one I'm driving is all-wheel drive. You can get rear-wheel drive if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has the the updated infotainment system, which is way better than the old one. It has a few quirks. It's a little slow. It doesn't always respond to you know you actually touching the screen, but it's, it's light years ahead of what you used to have. But there's something actually really interesting that comes with the sport. It, it's called the GoPro Rerun app. Right, I've read a little bit
0: about this, and finally, this is a this is something that all Jaguar owners have been pining for, right?
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because you know over the last year there've been a, a bunch of cars that have uh, either offered a personal data recorder like you have with the the Camaro One LE or the corvette, I believe it's okay. optional on almost all trims. Mm-hmm. And that's an actual camera that's and Cadillac has it too in the CTS and ATS Vs. And that's a camera that's integrated into the front of the car that's actually part of the part of the vehicle itself. But I remember Toyota when they brought out the new Tacoma last year, they they made a really big deal of <laughs> this integrated GoPro uh, mount on yeah. the windshield. Do you remember that? Yeah, I or... remember. Of course, I remember that. That
0: was uh, it's super important because GoPro mounts are in real. They're they're super hard to find, especially ones that can just fit on your on your windshield without getting in the way. Right. It's Duh. Al- It's
1: almost <laughs> as though no one has a drawer full of extremely cheap <laughs> GoPro mounts. Just hanging around. Like anyone who owns a GoPro is just like, well, how am I going to mount this? Why did I even buy this? And it just sits in a in, in a box and, and it Are gathers kidding? dust.
0: They just, they just hold it with one hand. That's what they usually do. Or they put <laughs> it on the dashboard and drive around and it's flipping around.
1: They're like, this is ridiculous. So Toyota solved that problem with yeah. the Tacoma. Thank God. But, uh, Thank goodness. But but uh, Jaguar has gone the extra mile because with the Tacoma, there's nothing else other than the mount. You didn't get any kind of software. You didn't get any kind of integration with vehicle data. And what Jaguar does with the rerun app is you get str- uh, speed uh, of the vehicle on the screen. Mm-hmm. You get throttle input, brake input, a whole bunch of cool stuff, uh, RPM and um, I believe – I don't know if it's – there's a map overlay or it's kind of hard to tell from the, the images that I've seen of the app itself. I haven't tried it yet even though I do have a GoPro. It, it's neat. I mean, why not? You okay. know. Uh, and other than that, it's pretty standard F-Type, which means it's a lot of fun.
0: Okay. So I need to talk about the F-Type a little bit. Um, were there significant complaints with the first or whatever you want to call it, the pre-refreshed F-Type? They gave it – you could get it with two really nice engines, a supercharged V6 and a supercharged V8, I believe. Um, Yes, which hasn't changed. Okay. But then they've added more designations to it. Now you can get a four-cylinder. You can get a six-cylinder. You can get an eight-cylinder. The S is now called the R-Dynamic. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, for the V6s. I'm not sure if it's changed. Uh, I believe the the V8s are all called R's now. Is that is that the new nomenclature?
0: I, I, that's what I'm trying to get at. Is like they've really boggled me a little bit with the with uh, with the refresh. And I want to make sure that this car hasn't changed in personality. And I want to make sure that people are still like people are still as enthu- as enthusiastic about this car as they were when it first came out. So please tell me it's a fun car to drive. It still makes the gorgeous noises. It still makes you smile every time you look at it.
1: It does make the gorgeous noises. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I like the eight-speed automatic over the six-speed. I remember two years ago I drove the six-speed for the first time, and I was actually driving with a uh, friend of mine, uh, Ezekiel, who's uh he was a Jaguar rep at the time. He's no longer with them, but uh, he had been a journalist for a long time himself, and we we were talking about how you can't get the same crack and burble from the exhaust with the manual transmission, or it seemed a lot harder. And um, he told me that they'd had to reprogram the ECU in the car because I believe it actually injects fuel into the, the system just a little bit to give you that crackle at the back. Mm-hmm. And in the manual cars, you have to rev it super high uh, if you want to experience that dramatic crack and bang. But in the automatic cars, it happens almost all the time, like above, I don't know, 2,500 RPM. If you're right. cruising down, you can get you know a very aggressive sound. So you don't have to Kill yourself in the pursuit of uh, auditory notoriety, which I appreciate. It just really adds to the personality of the car. And I'll be honest, that eight-speed is a ZF box, or sorry, a ZF box for our American listeners, <laughs> and it's it's excellent. Mm-hmm. It's in a lot of cars. BMW uses it all the time. Jaguar uses it in many products. Land Rover uses it too. I never get tired of it. I
0: I definitely like this car. I always found the transmission, the actually the powertrain, to be its its highlight. Uh, in addition to the sound of the car, uh, steering was always a little weird for me. I wouldn't call it the sharpest steering, but I want to know if it's got if it's improved.
1: So I can't really speak to whether it's improved or not. I mean, they haven't changed it. Okay. But the problem is, I'm driving the all-wheel drive version of the.
0: Car. Oh right. Okay. And there's extra weight on the front end with because of this because of
1: this, right? Somewhat yes. Uh, it's not a porky car. I believe it's around 3,800, but. I'm not a fan of all-wheel drive where it's not necessary. I think the Jaguar F-Type is at its most fun when it's a rear-wheel drive hooligan car. Uh, Even though the all-wheel drive system is truly excellent on a track, I've been out at uh, Monticello in the V8 uh, all-wheel drive car when it first came out. And I was very impressed at how you could uh, just throttle lift in that car would tuck it into the corner apex if you had messed up on entry. It was very easy to use. Um, but I think a lot of the charm of the F-Type is, like I said, the hooligan part. The, the fact that it's not always easy to use. Mm-hmm. The fact that it, it you can kick the tail out and have a lot of fun. The early F-Types were all about that before all-wheel drive became a thing. I'm sure they sell a lot of them. Uh, it gives them a kind of an all-weather... Advantage that is great for marketing and the one I'm driving is a coupe as well Cool, but uh, for make mine rear-wheel drive is what I'm saying.
0: Very cool. Um That is a that's a fantastic car. Um, I have something that Well, first of all, do you know how much this think how much it costs? I do not know how much it costs Okay, that's a that's a good question. Well, then that's actually a really cool. That's let do you want to play a game? We can play like prices right right now. What do you what would you imagine it cost? What do you think is the proper cost of this vehicle?
1: I think a base F-Type is probably, what, 74
0: mm-hmm. Is it justified at that price? I mean, that's what I'm trying to get at. Whatever you're, oh, getting, yeah, whatever you're getting at this current F400 uh, so, Sport.
1: For for the 400 Sport? What would you pay for it? Oh, I don't know. So that's an interesting question, because to me, you're looking at a car that doesn't give you Corvette levels of performance, but gives you p- better than Corvette levels of prestige and style. So mm-hmm. it's a different customer, but it's not an entirely different customer. I don't know how many people are actually taking their F-type to the track. It's pretty capable there, but I think it's more of a lifestyle vehicle. Um, it's really hard to say. say what do you think? I'd Sandy? say maybe
0: about a hundred grand. I think just around that hundred, that six-figure mark. Uh, are we talking in Canada? Uh, well, the difference between Canada and the U.S. is usually about what five to ten grand.
1: Well, I can tell you that in the U.S. Yes, the F-type coupe starts at sixty. Yes. Okay which makes it a direct competitor to the Corvette. Mm-hmm. But uh, keep in mind that the that $60,000 is getting you the supercharged V6. The supercharged V6 the,
0: but with the lower Oh, Wait, no it doesn't. Now it gets the four cylinder, no?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Let me check. You're right. You're right. I'm I am stuck in the past. So 60 grand gets you the four cylinder. Mm. If you want the V6 you're at 68. Okay. Which I 100% recommend doing. Okay. Uh, I still think the car's a bargain, um, and I'm going to suggest buying. So it's weird because – remember I was saying earlier about how it's very easy to get more power out of a supercharged car? Yep. So the – i I'm not sure now with the R-Dynamic. I don't know what the package offers, but it used to be if you bought the base V6, you could add more power from the aftermarket if you wanted to, but you couldn't get things like sport exhaust. Okay. So, uh, which is, you know, a deal breaker for me. So if you want sport exhaust to get up to 380 horsepower from the 340 horsepower base, all of a sudden you're at $81,000.
0: See, that's what I mean. So, that's why I can get, I think this car is, is the car you're driving is, is in that $100,000 mark.
1: Well, the one I'm driving is actually eighty dollars in the US. Wow, okay. Then then it sounds like it might be a bit of a, uh, of a bargain then. Yeah, that's the rear wheel drive. And if you want the all wheel drive like the one I have, it's ninety dollars Okay. So you're paying another three grand. Cool. Um
0: I have something that we've covered extensively uh on the podcast. I have the BMW I eight. Um by all measurements, this my car is not as fast as this Jaguar. We've had this conversation before. Not as fast as your Jaguar. Uh, is very expensive and um and is really like kind of weird. But I really, really, really like it, and uh, this is the first time I've spent an expen- extended period of time with it. Would you take what, what's the most? Ex- what's the most fully loaded F-type you can get out there?
1: So the SVR is one hundred twenty-one thousand. One hundred twenty-one. Okay. That's a five hundred seventy-five horsepower supercharged V-eight. But I would suggest that the real—I mean, if you're if you want to have the V-eight car. Hmm. For ninety nine nine, you get five hundred and fifty horsepower. Wow. That's pretty intense. That is, that's yeah. that is a that is a screaming deal in the world of supercars. Yeah. My one disappointment, it's all wheel drive only. Mm-hmm. Uh you can't get the rear wheel drive anymore. You used to be able to get the rear wheel drive with the V eight, but that's a thing of the past. So I mean I understand why they do it. There's actually quite a few cool. versions of the F type, which is not how Jaguar used to roll. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that's a kudos. good
0: thing? that they have so many different options?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think it's great for them. I think it's great that they're able to do it. And uh, I'm never going to, you know, look at Porsche. There's 22 versions of the 911. I mean, this is where that market is. Yeah and this is a direct competitor to the 911 that is way cheaper and provides you with more performance. Okay,
0: and is so, really and is really a distinct looking vehicle on the road too. A 911 it is I
1: have I've had people come up to me on a regular basis just to compliment me on the car. And you know how sometimes you have a car like this and people think you're kind of a douche? Mm-hmm. I haven't had that reaction. People have been just genuinely – they're like, hey, congratulations on the car you're driving, which is a ridiculous thing to say, and I always let them know it's not my car. But at the same time, I mean that's how much this, the design of the F-Type affects people.
0: Awesome. So the, in addition to the i8 I, uh, I'm driving this week, uh, I'm driving a, a, what you consider to be a far more interesting car, and that's a 2018 Mercedes-Benz C300 Wagon.
1: Now, but Why do I consider that to be more interesting? Why did you single me out for that? Because we had
0: this conversation. I mean, every time I brought up the IA to you, you kind, it seemed like you didn't want to have a very full conversation on it, a very deep conversation on it. But well, when we've I talked about it a
1: bunch of times. Okay.
0: But when I mentioned I got the C300, I actually mentioned it very lightly in conversation you hadn't heard.
1: You were secretive about it. It's almost like you didn't want me to know. It was like, oh, by the way, there's a C300 in my driveway. And I'm like, what?
0: So... Can you tell me why you're so interested in this? Because to me, it's just a it's just a station wagon. It's a the the usual C class with a, a big a big bump at the rear end.
1: And well, you you say it's just a station wagon, but we should clarify because this is a just a station wagon that's not available in the U.S. market. Is that correct?
0: That's 100 percent right. This is a Canadian only model. Uh, at least when we're talking when we're looking at the U.S. market, uh, the North American market. I'm sure all of our listeners out in other markets can tell us that they see C300s um, a little bit more often than we do
1: and um it, it's it's kind of sad i feel bad for the us because it's a practical car the c class the current c class from mercedes benz is excellent mm-hmm. it's very comfortable to drive it looks good it has a decent interior uh, and I believe that you can buy a 3-series uh, wagon in the U.S. right now, but there's no other German competitor unless you go to Audi and you buy the Allroad, which is a fake crossover that's a jacked-up A4 wagon. So Mercedes has kind of you know backed away from that, and they've said, look, we know Canadians buy wagons, so here's the C300. But the, the story behind it is kind of interesting. The one you're driving is a 2018 model year. Isn't that correct, Sam? That's, one, that's right. Yep. And the redesign for the C-Class was last year for 2017. Mm-hmm. So across the board there were new versions of the C class and we were supposed to get I believe we got a, a sedan and a coupe uh there's no convertible that I'm aware of is yeah, there Yeah there is
0: actually I've got one booked There next is week. okay
1: Okay, so those all arrived on time, Mm -hmm. and everyone was happy, but the wagon never got here for 2017, and um, I I remember asking about that at the time, and what happened was it was during the the whole Dieselgate issue, and the EPA and the Canadian version of the EPA, whose name I don't remember, they had a— microphone. Enercan? Enercan? That doesn't sound real. Enercan? Like, that sounds like either a Transformers villain or a company that employs an entire city. (laughs) You work for
0: Enercan? Or, yeah, NR, the Natural Resources of Canada, and Enercan, I think.
1: So so while Enercan was like, hey... um, Now you're right. Now I
0: can't think of it without it trying to take over our lives and we need to get some Autobots to help out.
1: It was, it was, it was, Enercan was like, hey, too many shenanigans in the diesel world. We're going to hold up your application to get this diesel. Because uh, I should back up and say Mercedes Benz intended the C wagon in Canada to be diesel only. Right. Uh, they weren't going to make a C300, which is a turbocharged four-cylinder. They were just like, no diesel. It's going to be, it's going to be the journalist dream car. It's a diesel-only wagon from Europe, and uh, it never got here. As a result, there was no 2017 model year for the C C-Class wagon in Canada. And anyone out there who's listening, who can correct me and let me know if any snuck in under the wire that I didn't know about, that would be cool. But as far as I know. It, it it got killed by Dieselgate, so thank you Volkswagen for making sure we didn't get a 2017 C-Class wagon in Canada.
0: Yeah, thanks Volkswagen. Um, <laughs> as a result, though, I do have this. I did drive around in this C300 wagon. Uh, it is, uh, as I've always said before, the C300 is one of my favorite, or the C-Class in general is probably my favorite sports sedan. It's the it's my favorite car in this class when you compare it to the likes of the BMW 3 Series, the Audi A4. Um, and then you can even bring in the the Canadian, the American, and um, Japanese competitors like the Lexus IS, the Infiniti yes. Q50, the Cadillac ATS, the C-Class. Just I think is way better inside and out. Um, even the 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 drive is still very engaging, lots of fun, um, and there's different drive modes that really make it more interesting and, and fun to drive. Mainly, this is because I think. It comes with a nine-speed automatic transmission, which is a lot of – it's a lot of gears, okay? Let me be honest. That's a lot of thats a lot of different uh, forward gears. And uh, when you're driving it really sedately or just cruising around in, on the highway, it just hums around at under 2,000 RPM. So when you need to get going, you, like, press on, press, put your foot on the gas, and the car has to think or has to change gear almost, like, three or four <laughs> gears before it's, like, time to get going now. Um, and when you put it in the sport mode, it locks out many of the higher end, um, or the, the top gears. So I think it becomes either a five or six speed transmission and then the car feels really lively. But of course you're going to miss out on fuel economy in that, in that situation.
1: I'd also like to point out that the C-class comes with the, uh, Mercedes-Benz perfume atomizer. Yes, it certainly <laughs> does. And that's that's located for those of you who are unfamiliar. Uh, Mercedes is super into this thing now, where you can get perfume. Um, it's a, there's a dispenser in the dash, and it's uh, you access it via the glove compartment, and it, it it kind of like puts a smell into the air conditioning system. Mm-hmm. And they have – it's called the Air Balance Package, basically. I think that's what it's called. But they have uh, all the different flavors of smell or aromas. Uh, They're all called moods. (laughs) So there's various moods. And I want to talk a little bit about the moods you can get for not just your C-Class, but I believe the S-Class and probably the E-Class. I I haven't driven an Mm -hmm. E-Class yet, but I'm I'm assuming it's there. So sports mood. Mm-hmm. Is uh, from the fragrance family, green, floral, and citrus, based on lime tree blossom and fresh, light green leaves with a hint of moss.
0: I've learned that many uh, rugby players sniff a lot of uh, citrus uh, fruits before they go out and, and play because it's a sport. It's a
1: sport-enhancing uh, fruit. That does. Does the uh, International Olympic Committee? Uh, are they okay? Yeah, with because
0: this? Uh, apparently they are, but they have been. They've been told. They've told people to, to cut it down uh, to not make it so obvious. Kind of chill it out. Yeah, chill
1: it out. Just a little.
0: Lime. Well, lime, right? um, It's lime. You said.
1: Yeah, lime. Well, and let's say let's say you're tired of of lime. Yeah, ha- There's good happens. news, because there's nightlife mood. Ooh, nightlife mood. What does that smell like? Option code, <laughs> optional extra code P21. Um. The fragrance family for nightlife mood is woody oriental amber, wood notes with fresh cool spices such as cardamom and pink pepper. Cardamom? Is that a that's not a nightlife mood I use in cooking. Okay. I don't I don't I don't know what that word means. Uh the, here's, here's an unusual mood that I think I, I don't know, have you ever been sitting around the house probably just by yourself and and found yourself feeling agwarwood mood? <laughs> <laughs> is that the name of the mood? Agar wood mood fragrance family wood smoky oriental, defined by oud, I don't know what that means with subtle wood notes and contrasting smokiness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i have i've always I've really always felt that I've always been sitting around,
0: you know, just like puzzled there's a there's I'm furrowing my brow, trying to figure out the situation, and I go, I wish I could smell some wood right now I wish agar,
1: agar wood mood yeah. that's exactly what it Damn, is Mercedes but, to the rest. you know. We talked about downtown. Uh, I'm sorry. We talked about nightlife mood, but we didn't talk about downtown mood, which is different which from is the, nightlife. It is different because maybe it's daytime. And fragrance family flor Floriental. Floriental. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's nice. not a word. Musk and fruity, floral combination of jasmine and lilac with undertones of musk, ambergris, and cashmere. Do you know what ambergris is, Sammy? No. What does cashmere smell like? <laughs> <laughs> it smells like a a warm hug on a cold day. That's what cashmere sa- smells like. But uh ambergris is a a a a substance removed from the head of a sperm whale, I believe. <laughs> You're making it up. That no, was the I'm same not. fact as my
0: rugby player's fact.
1: Ambergris is that's a real thing, man. That is from like Hervin Melville Moby Dick days.
0: Okay, cool. Thanks, Mercedes. Um... Here we go.
1: Here's the exact definition. Mm-hmm. Ambergris is a solid, waxy, flammable substance of a dull gray or blackish color produced in the digestive system of sperm whales. Excellent. It has a marine and fecal odor, according <laughs> <A> to <laughs> marine and fecal or- odor, <laughs> according to uh, Wikipedia. So there's there's two more moods that I, I just want to run through these quickly because because it's important. The la- the second to last is called Daybreak Mood. And uh, they're not as descriptive with this one. They just have the fragrance family. It's slightly fruity and spicy. <laughs> <laughs> and the very, very last mood that you can buy, these are all directly from the Mercedes-Benz online configurator. The last mood, Sammy, are you ready? Mm-hmm. It's Pacific Mood. Pacific Mood. What do you think Pacific Mood smells like? Fish. <laughs> We cover no fish is fish is downtown. Ambergris. I was gonna go with, with pine needles or cedar or something, you know, yeah. like but it's actually lemon and orange top notes accompanied by a blend of spices. So it's Lysol. It's basically Lysol. It's kinda like it's like Lysol. It's kinda like reading the menu at Denny's if they just sold Lysol flavors. <laughs> This is insane, and I'm
0: so glad that you brought this up um, because it is a it's a it's a very it's a very simple car. I love it a lot, but uh, I didn't realize that they were putting so much energy and effort into making the car smell very unique and special. <laughs> but that's a lot. That's a bit too much effort, I would say.
1: Well, you know, it it comes in cute little bottles. It's actually pretty small. Yeah, they're easy to change, um, like. Actually. Yeah, it is. It just pops in and out there about the size of two hockey pucks stacked on top of each other for anyone who's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> no one else That's... knows. No one else understands <laughs> For that anyone well. who's Canadian, lives in Massachusetts or Minnesota, there, there's your visual yes. reminder. Everyone else just imagined, I don't know, something. Um,. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's so that that's something that uh, I mean, I know uh, Infinity was doing a thing for a long time where they had they had like an air purification system that was matched with, I I think, some kind of cedar oriented smell. Is that correct? They
0: did. And it also had a very unique name. I can't remember what it was, but it sounded really, really like intense. Let me see if I can remember it. Um, while you, while you talk about the rest of the, see, I had a five series recently that had these, this fragrance thing and my, all of my friends are like, it stinks in here. What's good. What's the deal with this?
1: Well, it's strange because I can't recall the last time I was in someone's car who was using a, uh, one of those dangly air fresheners. Like I, I really That's thought true. those were a thing of the past. That's true. I mean, you get into a cab sometimes and there's like 25 of them hanging from the, <laughs> from the mirror and, and you, you start to worry, like, are you in murder cab? Yeah. But it's. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so I, I think it's great that Mercedes is still making wagons. They make the C-Class, they make the E-Class, so you have two sizes to choose from. And uh, we were talking, I believe, a couple podcasts ago about the Volkswagen V90, Volkswagen another uh, – sorry, not Volkswagen, the Volvo V90. Um, Volvo's another company that they kind of backed away from wagons for a while, uh, and then they came back with a vengeance. So they have a number of different sizes and it's it's just good to see because it means someone's buying them, I and mean, these companies wouldn't be bringing them over if there was zero market.
0: That's true. Um, what's interesting though is now that you, we we have two different uh, we have two different approaches to. If you live in Canada, you're going for the C class. If you live in the U.S., you're going for the BMW.
1: Oh, wait. I guess you can get, the BMW. So. You can get
0: the BMW in Canada as well. I guess.
1: Yeah, you can, and, and the BMW is definitely a sportier drive. I mean, not it also that it's has particularly more power. sporty, but is it's the 328 right uh, they've it's changed still it to the 330 yes it's the okay, same but engine. it's still a yeah. turbo four yeah it is definitely quicker it's not great but it's quicker
0: um yeah i mean i i personally i prefer the styling the interior and the um exterior of the C class um i've never been sold on the C3 series dynamics everyone always tells me that they're the staple for sports sedan and, um and, like sporty driving sports sedan and.
1: I think I think they lost those laurels several years I ago, um, and I believe the most recent version of the 3 Series is much better than the one that preceded it. Okay. I think they got a lot of the steering feel back, and they fixed some problems that had – they really leaned towards uh, kind of a bland driving experience. And they fixed some of that, but I I think it's a way more open field now. Especially you know you mentioned vehicles like the ATS, mm-hmm. which is really great to drive. It's very sharp, and but that's
0: all it's good at. It's it's not a very luxurious car. It's not a very sp- practical car. Um, it looks good. Looks pretty good, yeah. <clears throat> and that it definitely has a
1: small back seat though. That that's that's a and big the trunk is always,
0: it's actually kind of tough to get um, used to as well.
1: And it's a dead man walking. Uh, we were promised a longer version of the ATS that would fix that back seat problem, and then they decided to just kill the ATS, the CTS, and the XTS. So all those cars are being wiped away, and we'll never know what might have been.
0: We're not sure. I haven't heard that definitively yet. I remember them saying uh, there was a there was a, a a story that said they're definitely going to kill a sedan. And I've, then I've somebody, seen a lot. And then somebody came up, and then, sorry, Dineshin said, no, we're definitely still going to have three sedans. And when you look at their lineup, they currently have four. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, they have what? CT6, XTS, CTS, and ATS, right? Yeah. No one's buying two of those vehicles.
0: I thought the XTS is the one that's not going to happen anymore.
1: Well, I, I think they're all going to be gone and they're going to be replaced by the CT5. That's that's what I've heard.
0: Just one vehicle for all those three cars? Just one vehicle.
1: Yeah, it seems weird, but that's what they're going to do. Well,
0: I'm looking forward to hearing more about that.
1: Um, (laughs) So uh, let's move on to uh, the vehicle that you drove last week, but you teased us all with that we couldn't talk about because of embargoes hmm. and limitations and documents signed in blood by Candlelight. Yeah, well, we'll, let's do exactly that, because um, I drove the Lexus LS 500
0: and 500H. Now, this is a full-size flagship sedan that uh, is meant to compete with the likes of the S-Class, the seven series
1: and the Audi A8, but really, it's competing with the Genesis G90.
0: Absolutely, um, it's got to make sure that it stays, it's, it keeps its head above water against the the Korean competition, which has come in very aggressively um, and has surprised everybody.
1: Um, and I think we can throw, we can probably throw the uh, Volvo S90 in there too. Yeah, I don't know if
0: it's as big as the S90 yet. Um, something about the S90 always, uh, always surprises me as being kind of, um, uh, sm- shorter, like not, not as long in length. Um, I don't know if that's just me, if that's a real thing or not, but,
1: uh, it, it could be, it could be, I don't recall either. Uh,
0: anyways, we should talk a, a little bit about this car. It uses, it, it's available with two powertrains. Um, one is a twin turbo V6, which is brand new for Lexus. It makes a serious amount of power, um, Just around 416 horsepower and 440 pounds of
1: torque. And is this engine exclusive to the LS? So far, yes. I um... I find it interesting that, you know, you have the LC500, which is a V8, Mm -hmm. and then you have the LS500, which is not. Yeah, I also find that
0: really interesting. So what they basically had in mind was that they wanted to deliver V8 power with – with less, with less fuel usage. Um, I don't know, I, I guess... Actually, they told me something very interesting. It seems like Lexus, uh, especially the Lexus LS buyers, are much more money-conscious than the rest of the segment. The, I 100% believe that. The, the car starts at around $76,000, um, which is a little bit cheaper than the Mercedes uh, competitor and the Audi competitor. Uh, I think it's about $10,000 cheaper than both of those vehicles. And... Lexus tells us that I think 75% of their owners buy a vehicle that costs under $80,000, $80, um, which is a huge I, – I can imagine that's a huge departure from what um, Mercedes is seeing. Because Mercedes own, Mercedes has this the base S400, which is a twin-turbo V6. And then they have a bajillion models above that. They have
1: yeah. So <laughs> y- y- when you say the average Lexus buyer, does that mean in general or just for the LS? For the LS, for the L- past okay. LSs.
0: So I thought that was really interesting, and I can see the fuel the fuel usage um, being the other thing that they would probably take into consideration. They must be a little bit more, um, I don't know, money conscious in that sense.
1: Well, you know, it, it's <clears> when you said. The power of a V8 with less fuel fuel consumption, that brought me back to, I don't know, five years ago, four years ago, when the... LS, uh, I believe it was what the 430h or what, whatever it was called. The the hybrid version of the LS in the previous generation, or perhaps the generation before that, the tagline for that vehicle was V12 power with V8 fuel consumption. <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't like they they weren't trying to make it a super efficient hybrid. They were just trying to make it more efficient <laughs> than the V12 hy- the, the V12 engines you could get in BMW and Mercedes. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and that was funny because it was a V8 hybrid um yeah they've gotten rid of that they've gotten rid of that that's now a v6 hybrid that's the ls well they've
1: gotten rid of all the
0: v8s it sounds like um i would imagine that well in the lexus yes these are the only two engines that you can get which is uh which is really interesting because so are we going to see an lsf okay we asked about that obviously we asked about that um apparently it's something that they they're looking at they're they're considering um But they can't. They can't do any further comments on. They they just said, you know, we're always interested in our in expanding our F brand. Uh, What do you think? They gotta get an LCF first. That would be fantastic. And I would. Am I weird? But I would love to see an ISF. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet.
1: I, you know, it's a, that's a good question. It's it's very similar to, in platform to the RCF. You figure it'll be plug and play. Mm-hmm. Do you think they got b- burned really badly with the first generation ISF? I can't imagine because I remember the first
0: generation ISF having a really a really surprising impact um, on the brand. I, I remember people being very happy with it, and I don't know if that's like it's me just looking through rose-colored glasses or rose-tinted glasses. Are my glasses colored or tinted?
1: I can't see you, Sammy, so it's hard for me to tell. <laughs> but when I close my eyes, you're not wearing glasses. Anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, um, it, maybe they've just decided that RC is the performance entry level and IS is the everything else entry level. But there's a GS. F. The, but the GS is, is, is bigger than both of those cars, so I feel like that's a class above. The RC is based on the IS platform and the GS platform married together. Okay.
0: We're, getting a little, we're, getting our, we're losing our, our focus here. The, yeah,
1: which is which is you talking about the LF? Yes, the
0: LF, the LF. I, I don't mean to. So many S's. The LF is a very smooth car. The thing that makes it stand above its rivals, I think, uh, in addition to it being a little bit more fuel efficient and probably much more cheaper, is the design is super. Um, it's an intense. It's amazing. Um, what they've done, what they've achieved in terms in terms of design for a class of car that is typically known to be. Um, what's the word for it? Stuffy, maybe, is the word for to use uh, for flagship sedans. They're not they're not cool cars.
1: Okay? I don't know about that. I mean I think that they're often the the show-off sedans in, in the interior. It's in like, the in the interior, right. the... yes. But the exterior, come on. In Mercedes S Class well, the, the, or Seven Series. The Germans have definitely gotten conservative. Yes, and the A eight.
0: The S ninety looks good until you realize it has those weird um t- tail lights at the back and the G90 wow. you really hate those taillights yeah they are they're they're funky okay they're really weird so anyways if you're going to go funky you're going to go all the way and the Lexus does that and on the inside, it's full of really neat materials, really cool patterns. There's like a pleated material that that is really soft and 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 it has depth to it. And it's like the it's like the 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 furry wall. It's like you just want to you just want to touch it. Uh, Are you talking about Get Him to the Greek, Sammy? Is that a Get Him to the that Greek is a, reference? That is a Get Him to the Greek reference. Yes, uh, a colleague. That was on the event said that it was a really awkward thing. And I don't know if he said it out loud or if he just said it to me, but he said it feels like it feels like lingerie. It feels like you just want you just love it. You just like always want to see it. You want to touch it. You just.
1: Well, I mean, uh, tell me about the lingerie you like wearing. I'll tell
0: you about that in another podcast for unnamed lingerie podcast. Um,
1: oh, man, I can't wait.
0: <laughs> but let's talk about the way this car drives. This is the driving impressions function. This was what Im- was embargoed up until – actually, I should talk about the technology, but we can talk about the way it tries. It's super direct. It is very smooth. Uh, the car really whooshes away. Uh, from it the- whooshes. whooshes? It whooshes. It just glides. <laughs> um,
1: Does the hybrid whoosh more than the, than the twin turbo? I would say the hybrid makes far less noise. Well, question is the is the hybrid also twin turbo? No, it's just a regular uh, V6. It's the okay. 3.5 liter V6. Um, Which one felt was more fun to
0: drive? The twin turbo V6. Spo- Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> the, and we had the F Sport model as well. You can get actually more noise piped in uh, through the speakers to provide more of that. Um, I don't know feedback that people who are driving a car aggressively might want. But otherwise, can can we, you
1: contrast? Can you contrast the F Sport to the regular car? Because uh, in the past, when I have driven F Sport versions of the LS, I thought they were a total waste of time. It was like a it was like a rougher version of the car that didn't handle better. It was just stiffer.
0: So I unfortunately I only drove the F Sport conventional uh, internal combustion uh, or the turbocharged F Sport, and then I drove the hybrid. Um, so they' they're, it's just not apples to apples, I think. Okay. But I will say that both both cars were surprisingly um, stiff. I don't want to say stiff like an uncomfortable way of saying stiff. Um, it's they're they were sporty. is the best way to put it. Is that
1: what people want in that segment? I don't
0: think so. In fact, when I was in the back seat of the vehicle, uh, we went for a little ride where we were being chauffeured uh, because apparently that's what some people really want in this car. They want to sit in the back seat and get taken somewhere.
1: Um, I definitely I definitely think that's true. Uh,
0: when I was in the back seat, I was. I was surprised at how much movement there was. And um I imagine that whoever is sitting back there is probably on their phone, on their iPad, on a laptop, trying to get some work done. They're 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 back there for a reason. They're either relaxing or they're trying to get some work done. And when I looked at my laptop and when I looked at my phone, the amount of vertical motion, it it was uh it wasn't right. It just wasn't right for me. Uh and that's rare because I don't get car sick and I was like, hmm, this isn't right. I was getting a little dizzy. Um Well that's 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 a nerd. That is a problem, honestly. <laughs> the on the other hand the amount of features that this car comes with is is intense it's a lot um and that's i think that's a standard for this class everything you got, you have to accommodate the like i said the budget the ballers on a budget and then you have to accommodate the real ballers so we've got the one of the biggest head-up displays on the market with this thing it um is apparently 26 inches wide which is
1: Okay, so so that's, that's kind of frightening for me. Can, can you tell me, 26 inches, so is that covering your entire viewpoint when you look outside? <laughs> is, it like, is it like augmented reality? Is almost, it like Google Glass honestly, on your almost. windshield? It
0: seems to span all, may, maybe right to the mirror, uh, the rear view mirror. Um, and it's, the way it's raised is actually three meters out in the distance. So it's not right on... You, have you ever seen some head-up displays that kind of feel like they're right on the hood of the car? Yeah. This is like yeah. out on the road, and it's really right in your field of vision. It's really cool in that sense. I will admit that the one thing that Lexus has really dropped the ball on is um is beeping. This is car is a beep machine. All it does is beep. Uh, it is constantly warning you of every possible worst-case scenario Can you turn it off? It seems like you can. I didn't – we didn't spend enough time to to do that. But even just putting it in reverse starts a constant – Steady beating beeping. And I and,
1: I know. It's 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 like reverse gear is the scariest thing for an automaker from a safety perspective. There's so many cars now where as soon as you're in reverse, it, it has a, a warning tone, like did you do you know what you just did? Yeah. And like
0: <laughs> are you sure you want to be in reverse?
1: And uh not only
0: that, but you know how some cars have something called rear uh cross traffic alert, which is basically when you're backing out of a parking spot or if you're reversing in general and you might be focusing your attention on the screen instead of what's going on around the car.
1: Yeah, and, if, and, and then a leaf blows by the bumper, and it beeps, the the beeps. And it at you. So, yeah, I'm familiar and with if that. If you're
0: in a Subaru or a G, uh, SCA product, it hits the brakes. It slams the brakes. Oh, uh, it and It does. feels like you hit something. The Lexus has front cross-traffic alert, which means that when you get to a stop sign, a four-way stop, and um, you're about to go, but the person to the left or the right of you decides that they're more important, they they were there first, and they're going to go, the car will beep and tell you, whoa, watch out, Sammy. Watch out, Ben. It's not your turn yet. Wait for these guys to cross the the street. It will also also do that for pedestrians and bicyclists and basically anyone on the road who is doing something (laughs) on the road. It will
1: just beep at you, and you're just sitting there going, like, what do you want from me, car? I have to get going. So, so we've talked in the past about how um, so many of these systems create an, an information overload yeah. where there's so many warnings, you don't know which warnings are ones you have to pay attention to and which ones are ones you can ignore. And there's a lot of, if you look at research into something like aviation, specifically commercial aviation, it's a major deal where you have too much information going on and what happens is pilots start to tune things out because they assume that it's you know standard operating procedure for this alarm to be going off. And then the one time that alarm goes off and they need to direct their attention there it doesn't get their attention and an accident happens and i think we're kind of reaching that level of saturation with these cars but the reason i bring up this point is because cars like the ls these large full-size luxury sedans they're typically bought by older people mm-hmm. and people who are older are perhaps not as familiar I can say that, I mean, I grew up programming computers since I was a kid, and I sometimes have difficulty understanding these safety systems and how or what message they're trying to send me and how to best react. So I can't imagine how overwhelming it is if you have no background whatsoever. You've been driving, let's say you bought an LS 10 years ago, and you're buying one now. It must be a, a really weird experience.
0: Absolutely, um, and that's funny because the old LS was seen as a really strong alternative, uh, and a very—I don't want to call it—I don't want to call it basic in a bad way—but it did everything that you needed it to do. And in fact, my parents have an uh, an RX, which is not on the same level, but they love how the car is super accommodating. I think if they were to get in this, they would be overwhelmed at how much is going on in the car, uh, technology technology-wise and safety-wise, when they just want it to work and not scare them into thinking that indeed so it's indeed. it feels like these cars have an everything's okay alarm that needs to constantly be chiming when <laughs> a luxury car is meant to be about luxury it's meant to make you not have to think about all this crap am i wrong don't you want no, to have i, I, I don't you want the car to just do something i don't know if that i ideal. agree with you and
1: you know you know who else agrees with talk you? to me albert bierman albert bierman our friend so, uh, at um, at, Genesis. at Genesis, yes. So he's he is the the boss of the Hyundai I N f- division, I was going to say Hyundai,
0: yes.
1: Yeah, so Hyundai N division, which doesn't exist in North America yet, but Genesis does. And he was at uh, he was at BMW for thirty years, mm. and he was heavily involved with M cars. And he recently, this past week, made a semi-controversial statement. It's only controversial because of the words he chose mm. to use, but the content itself is, I think, accurate. He says that luxury brands are focusing too much on stupid technology and that customers don't want it. And he said it's marketing, first of all, and how many people are really buying these features and almost all of this stuff exists for the media to give them hype and to show the technology level of the company but it's really not something the customers want and all of this technology is a burden for customers because it's going to fail later down the road and he talks specifically about how at Genesis they're going to be avoiding doing this type of development they're not going to be bringing out these features like gesture control and holographic displays Yeah we had a whole raising, we had a whole beeping. podcast
0: where we talked about all the random features that we had in that BMW and then a bunch of other yeah. random features that you would can like the same car company could probably invent
1: and, and he also, you know, he makes another point about uh, why put a, a flagship car on the racetrack, uh, a big sedan. It doesn't make sense. It's not what it's for. And I think that Lexus takes that attitude, too, which I think is nice. I also think that Lexus, it now that it might have too many features, at least they're probably not going to break because they've got a good reputation for reliability. Uh, the only... I mean, uh, the other – you were talking about where they dropped the ball was with, with these beeping, but at the same time, they also dropped the ball with um, remote touch. Remote touch, uh, which, which is, is known their...
0: as the worst infotainment system in the industry, I think. The absolute, absolute it's a touch, worst. It's a, laptop, it's, it's a laptop touchpad from the 1995, <laughs> from when touchpads <laughs> were, like, invented. It's the worst-feeling, like, touchpad you've ever used. It has um, – and you're asked to operate this thing while in motion, and it's just – that that's not right. Um I think you're right though. I think Albert Biermann had a really good point. I think he sees it as a marketing uh spin all the time. I see it as the automakers trying to show customers that they're on their way to um autonomous driving.
1: Now, le- which is which is again something no one is asking for.
0: I'm not sure about that. I think there can be a number of applications where where autonomous driving is is kind of cool.
1: But I don't think I don't think a single customer walks into a dealership and says I'm looking for an autonomous car and then makes a purchase based on that. I don't know.
0: Maybe Tesla buyers are a little different. They seem to love their um, what's it called, Pilot, uh, autopilot.
1: Yeah. Well, Tesla is the, an extremely small use case that sells a handful of cars. Okay. So.
0: Well, eventually we have to start using those statistics for something, Ben. Um, the <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is uh, when I try to think of all of these high end um, features. I end up thinking, what do I want in a car? Uh, in a car that big, I want blind spot monitoring um, because sometimes you miss small details um, like that. Uh, it helps to just see, have that uh, visual cue just while you're you're doing your usual uh, shoulder checks. I think that's that's nice. I also think um, adaptive cruise control, and for some in some cases the Lane keep assistance is really really nice on the highway on long trips. I don't know if you've ever been in a highway um like one of those I don't know six hour highway trips and found those features useful because I have.
1: It, they can be it depends how it's been how it's been okay. implemented again,, uh, these features only work when the lanes are clear yes. and they don't work in the snow, wind. that's for sure
0: uh, and in the rain you know so like so the other it, features though, forward collision warning, I can see a car in front of me. I don't know how how like that I don't know how much that really does the trick for me, but apparently it's a very handy safety feature.
1: It's handy if you're texting, and that's why people like it. <laughs> okay. No, I'm serious. It's it's it, that is a feature that plays into people who are not paying attention. I think head-up displays like you... are
0: also really cool. Um, not super important, not super necessary, but they're cool. That's for sure. So I'm trying to think of you know so many of these features. Again, all of those beeping technologies that I thought I talked about in the Lexus, um, completely unnecessary. All the things we talked about in that BMW 5 series I had, so not necessary. So massage seats, I don't know. Um, soft close, soft <laughs> closed doors, definitely not something that I thought was necessary.
1: Well, I want to t- I want to talk about a technology that's definitely not necessary, and it, um, it, it it ties into kind of what you're saying that the future of not just luxury but also autonomy, and it comes from our friends at Audi who are <laughs> uh, continually working. To provide us with interesting material to talk about on our podcast with their their research division, and I want to talk about the Audi Fit driver. Okay, one. wait. This is a this
0: is a thing that they brought up during the Frankfurt Motor Show that you were at um, last week, the week before. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. Um, they introduced a the new A8, and they introduced a concept car. I think it's called the Audi Elaine. Elaine. Elaine or Acon. Elaine. I'm super confused. Okay, I I heard Elaine a lot, but the key th- about this A this a- Elaine it has the, the the letters AI and they want to put AI in your car and they want um
1: they want to think for you. Can you hit me up with this? Well, they 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 don't just want to think for us. I think they want to feel for they us. They want to feel for us exactly. I mean, let's 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 talk about what what the Audi Fit driver is. So, um. Apparently, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait—the Audi Fit driver. I always—I already have a good idea where this is going.
1: So, uh, according to Audi, the car is the ideal place. To um, measure it, – it, as a private place of retreat and all-around network space, the car is ideal for monitoring fitness levels and can also actively improve the health and well-being of the okay, driver. Okay, Ben, we so have to stop the,
0: right there. That's not true. That's not possible at all. First of all
1: – Is that because you eat Cheetos the, on your commute? The is the that time, what you're saying? Half
0: the time I am <laughs> chowing down on some really unhealthy uh, McDonald's breakfast or guzzling some um, coffee or iced cap or something like that. Um, how is this, po- I'm not doing anything fitness related in my car. How could it be the ideal way for you're, monitoring fitness levels?
1: Because that's, you're not wearing the wearable device on your wrist that the Audi fit driver system uses, which collects and transmits information about your most important vital signs, <laughs> such as body temperature and heart rate. So, um, <laughs> wait, hold on. Intelli- Where does it transmit this information to? I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Thanks to intelligent algorithms, the Fit Driver system gets to know the driver better and better. If this system notices the driver is highly stressed, this can be reduced by means of a special breathing technique. The virtual cockpit displays biofeedback like that used in performance sports as a guide. Additionally, and this is my favorite part... A voice over the loudspeakers guides the driver through the exercise. <laughs> so it gives so can you a. you LaMaz pick LaMazza different voices. <laughs> is is it like ways where you can get Arnold Schwarzenegger to like be the voice of your navigation and your and your or breathing? Yoda? Yeah, your breathing exercise that would be cool. Whether it be relaxing breathing exercises, energizing seat massage functions to the beat of the music, special climate control functions which are not explained. <laughs> <laughs> Or perfectly suited interior lighting moods. There's also something called adaptive infotainment measures, which sounds really scary. <laughs> what is an adaptive infotainment measure? Why is it a measure? Why is it why is it like we must take measures with your infotainment yeah, you can't use, No more yeah, reggae. No. Too much exactly. reggae. You're listening to way too much heavy metal. Is this jug is so, this juggalo is this a
0: juggalo thing?
1: <laughs> no insane clown exactly. posse on this commute. So anyway, that's Audi Fit Driver, which I find fascinating um, and it totally unnecessary, but apparently on the way. Drivers should be more relaxed when they get out of the car than when they
0: got in. I agree to that. You get to where you're going. But I have no idea how they think all of that can help. Um, unless, First of all, it takes a driver to listen to the,
1: to the breathing exercise. How about that? Um, there's that. And there's also the fact that the Audi Elaine concept vehicle is going to be an empathetic companion to you. Which indicates that perhaps the Elaine can feel. I don't. I don't know if I'm comfortable with a car that can feel because what if it gets angry or sullen yeah. or just kind of you know the exist, existential ennui of being a car? Like, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, now what am I it's, supposed it's, to it's do? It's
0: not, nothing. You're a car. Just exactly. It's yourself. in the garage.
1: <laughs> just yeah. Now right you're at the airport. <laughs> the airport for two weeks. <laughs> where if he gone? Um, Some teenager threw up in the back seat. I mean, that's not a good life. I mean, it's not a life that should have feelings associated with it.
0: I mean, not only that, can you imagine? How many times do you skip um, a navigation in direction? Like, you just, like, I don't know. Is that an accusation? No, for me, like, sometimes I'll, like, no, I don't want to make a left turn here. I don't want to make a left turn. I'll do it down there where I, like, you know, there's, there's an advanced green. I'll do it there. And the car just keeps, like, gets angrier and angrier. Like, why aren't you listening to my instructions? Well, the massage, that's where the massage my, comes in. Why aren't in? you listening to my instructions, Sammy?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then it massages your butt to like indicate its displeasure. <laughs> Finally. Ang- it's like an inappropriate high school football coach.
0: <laughs> Perfect. I think that uh, I think that Audi
1: uh, buyers are definitely going to go for that. Now that I think about it. Well and I, I think that's a good as good a place as any to wrap things up for this week. Uh, Sammy, what are you up to next week that would be interesting to our listeners?
0: Um, I can't quite. Oh, I'm going to drive the the Jaguar F-Sport, for, uh, sorry, the F-Type 400 Sport myself, as well as the SVR. Um, I'm also going on a little bit of a retreat um, out east to join Porsche on their Canada 150 Tour, which is something that all automakers are doing at some point um, this year to celebrate Canada's 150th uh, anniversary. Um, I also have a McLaren, um, not a new one, which is weird. I'm having a 12C or an MP4-12C, which is one of the kind of, the car that kind of helped them re-emerge in the supercar marketplace. So I'm looking forward to driving an old McLaren and hopefully it doesn't break on me.
1: And uh, that's a a lot going on and I think uh, I'm definitely looking forward to talking about that with you next week. How about you? What are you up to? I have I'm, this weekend. I'm actually going to go to a NASCAR race, uh, the last NASCAR race in New Hampshire in September, with uh, with my father as a road trip. And um, I, when I come back, I'm picking up a Dodge Challenger TA, which is kind of like an SRT version of the Challenger, but not. <laughs> it's a Hemi Kind of like a, a Hemi powered SRT. It's a it's a Scat Pack with with a a uh, little bit more attitude. And I'm also going to be driving uh, a Ferrari 488 next week. So that'll be definitely interesting. Um, I have not had the opportunity to do that, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: That sounds really cool, and I can't wait to talk to you about that. But in the meantime, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with either Ben or myself, I recommend that you do it through Twitter. You can find me at Sammy underscore Ha. That's S-A-M-I underscore Ha, like you're laughing at me, H-A. And you can find Ben at Hunting Benjamin. That's pretty commonplace. I don't think I have to spell that for anyone, do I, Ben?
1: I, I would hope okay. not, uh, certainly uh, cer- certainly not in our listenership, which is extremely educated and incredibly classy. Also, uh, you can find us at our new host. We've moved everything from SoundCloud to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and everything is there. If you listen to us through iTunes or Google Play Music, nothing changes. But uh, we have a lot more going on on the website now. We have photos uh, of the vehicles that we've driven. We have links to um, some of the articles that we've written about those. Uh, vehicles and experiences and also you can um find us on facebook at unnamed automotive podcast we have a decent facebook page going on there where we also post photos live uh when we're driving these cars kind of as a fun little if you want to see what we look like we sometimes do video i don't necessarily recommend (laughs) that it's not the that we both have faces made for radio (laughs) but um and uh, I wanted to also congratulate Sammy on his uh, official new title at AutoGuide, where he is the Road Test Editor. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You didn't have to give me a call out on the podcast. That's uh... that is a big deal, and it is a promotion for Sammy, and he is now living his best life, <laughs> and we're all very happy for him. And he's going to have a bunch of cool experiences that go with this job, and ones that so, I can't
0: uh... help. Uh, I can't wait to uh, share with you and the other listeners as well.
1: So tune in again next week. We'll have something for you. Uh, And until then, uh, thanks for
0: listening. Thank you. Bye.